Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to check in here on this Super Tuesday. And you know what happens on Super Tuesday during election times is we talk about, well, Super Tuesday election stuff. And we have quite a bit to talk about. There was a lot of going on at the White House today, Capitol Hill, Rose Garden, the signing of the uh, horribly misnamed Inflation Reduction Act. And the only reason I bring that part up as far as this is a nonpartisan thing. I don't like the way uh, or maybe it's bipartisan. I don't like the way the bills are are named. Uh, Democrats do a much better job of naming their bills, or I should say misnaming them than Republicans because they sell better. And if you read through, and we will later, uh, everything that the president had to say as he signed the badly misnamed Inflation Reduction Act into law and said, you know, the Democrats are fighting for the people and Republicans are fighting for lobbyists and stuff like that. Everything he said was not true. I mean, it's not a word of truth in anything that he said, but that doesn't matter because his constituents will say, yeah, yeah, he was giving them their talking points for how to handle the last two months of the election campaign. And they're really good talking points. You know, we care about the people. We want to lower prescription drug prices. We're going to fight inflation, blah, blah, yippity dee. And, you know, you can read three articles on this and find out that the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't actually reduce inflation at all, even by their own Congressional Budget Office estimates. It reduces inflation by 0.1% this year and then increases inflation by 0.1% next year, which means over the next two years, just in time for the 2024 presidential election, the Inflation Reduction Act will not have reduced inflation at all. And anytime you start bringing the government in and they start saying things like, yeah, but here's how we're going to pay for it. And Republicans do this and Democrats do it too. Don't believe the hype. Remember, the Affordable Care Act was going to be affordable because it was going to lower health care costs. It was going to lower prescription costs, and it didn't. I mean, you're going to find legal challenges to this. This Inflation Reduction Act is a uh, bipartisan sort of, not really, well, not in the Senate anyway. It was it was 50 to 50 with Vice President Kamala Harris casting the tie-breaking vote, which means basically anybody who was like, yeah, Donald Trump, way to go, Georgia, yeah. I mean, everything that Donald Trump did to campaign on behalf of Republicans in Georgia cost them both Senate seats, which put us in the situation we're in right now. I mean, whether or not the election was rigged, I believe a lot of it was. But the way he handled that part of the election on the campaign for the two open Senate seats in Georgia, the Republicans only had to win one. And they'd have a simple majority and they could keep this type of stuff from happening. But, oh, no. We, we had to follow Donald Trump's. They they wronged me, and they probably did. But the way you handled it cost your nation seven hundred fifty billion dollars today. Oh sure, we're going to pay for it with prescription drug savings, two hundred twenty-five billion. Oh yeah, we're going to have the we're going to close the corporate tax loophole. That's going to free up another two hundred twenty-five billion. Oh yeah, we're going to hire eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents and make the rich pay their fair share. Are there 87,000 super wealthy people in America? And I'm asking that sincerely. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But every time you see one of those breakdowns about who pays their fair share and who doesn't in America as far as taxes go, all of a sudden we find out that if you not only got them to pay every single penny that they should be paying in taxes, it wouldn't make a dent in the national debt, let alone the federal deficit year to year. You could take all of their money all of their assets, it still wouldn't take care of it. And state after state, even in high tax states like you're in the People's Republic of California, if every super wealthy person who lived here, who hasn't left yet, <laughs> hello, Elon Musk, come back. Um, 
paid every penny that they had, we would still be running a deficit. And yet, the reports of the death of American democracy from the January 6th panels, etc., cetera, uh, may be, as Mark Twain would say, greatly exaggerated. Nice piece uh, from Eric Erickson uh, today. He writes in Red State, but this one's published in writeandfree.com. No question as to which way they're leaning. Uh, talking about the fact that maybe, just maybe, our democracy is actually kind of okay. Looks back to the primaries a couple of weeks ago in Kansas, where a bipartisan group of voters overwhelmingly rejected an amendment to the state constitution that would have stripped abortion, I hate this word, protections from the state's constitution. When you're fighting on the offensive, it's rights. When you're having someone come at you, it's protections. It's George Carlin with the whiskers and the beard, right? You know, the people we don't like have beards and the people we do like have whiskers. So anyway, uh, basically the Democratic, and Eric Erickson writes this, he said the Democrat Party and the Democrats propaganda arm, known as the American political press, were simply giddy. And quite frankly, they did a spectacular job in Kansas of convincing Kansans that somehow giving women the right to kill their preborn child in the womb was so-called health care that was vital and necessary, and we don't want to strip you of these protections. At the same time, though, that very same night in the Michigan primary, uh, Peter Meyer was defeated by John Gibbs. Why is that important? Meyer is a freshman congressman, and in his first month on the job, he was one of the Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump. Now, this is a guy who was a veteran. This is a guy who went to Afghanistan against the Biden administration wishes last August and gave a firsthand report of how disastrous the withdrawal was going. But Donald Trump got behind John Gibbs and John Gibbs won the primary. The reason for bringing this up is not to say, well, score one for Trump and score one for Biden, but rather to say, look, people who keep talking about the death of our democracy, I think are missing the point. The democracy part's working fine. Because a couple of nut jobs decided to paint their faces and wear horns on their helmets and jump the fence and storm the castle, as it were. And people who weren't even in the Capitol building, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said, I was fearing for my life, even though she was in her office that was nowhere near where the vote was taking place. The vote to whether or not to certify the uh, election results. They were afraid because they think they're untouchable. These are the same people who go out and say, we want to defund the police, which may be a good idea if you have a better plan in mind. Probably not a good idea, though, if you don't have a plan in mind. But you can't stand there surrounded by armed security saying we want to tougher gun laws so people can't get access to guns. As long as my security detail has them, that's fine. But the minute, the minute somebody else goes up and shoots up an elementary school, well, we've got to have tougher gun laws. What if those tougher gun laws, Madam Congresswoman, meant that your security people wouldn't get to hold guns. I mean, you do feel a lot more comfortable knowing that you've got some armed people walking around, right? I'll put this uh, uh, Eric Erickson article up at thebottomlineshow.com, just pointing out some of the inconsistencies of the argument that the democracy is dead, because quite frankly, the way people are voting right now, as long as the votes aren't rigged, it's a, it's a pretty good system to have. But one of the stories that is kind of sliding under the radar of late has been with regard to the COVID vaccines, the boosters, where you, whether you mask or not mask. The CDC has new guidelines that came out recently that basically say whether you are masked or unmasked or vaxxed or unvaxxed, the same rules apply to everybody now. Now, on the one hand, you could say this is good news because that means critical mass has been reached. People have either gotten jabbed or they've gotten the infection. 
And now they've got some kind of level of immunity, so we don't have to worry as much. But a lot of people are saying, well, now, wait a minute. Is this, is this really an issue? Has it been resolved or was it kind of fabricated? It was more of a pandemic. And now what do we make a monkeypox? Is that something we should really be concerned with? How many deaths in the U.S. and worldwide? How many infections? How do we get monkeypox? If people are putting the mask back on and saying, I don't want monkeypox. And, well, how do you know? Well, an expert in this issue is Dr. Stella Emanuel. I know there are some people who would say, oh, yeah, weren't you part of America's frontline doctors? You were in that speech, uh, given that speech on uh, the steps of the Supreme Court a couple of years ago. She was and she is. She's written extensively about this. She's actually gotten into preventative medicine and helping to treat people who have been battling COVID and monkeypox and having tremendous success with people who have gotten these viruses and been able to treat them. She's also written a powerful book about her experience as well. It's called Let America Live. And it's a clarion call to help people who uh, were just living in fear for the past couple of years as to whether or not they were going to survive a pandemic that may have been kind of a, an overstated endemic. Dr. Stella Manuel joins me on the other side of this break to talk about the book, to talk about monkeypox, and to talk about why it is that we, the people, often are duped by those who claim to be experts in the field. And I'm sure some people might even want to take her to task on those issues. Well, we'll give her a chance to uh, explain herself coming up next as the bottom line continues. You may have heard about this uh, pandemic that was in the making anyway, with more and more counties declaring states of emergency over monkeypox. Is this kind of a COVID redo? Is there a very serious threat that we should be paying closer attention to? Or is there more of a political nature to what's going on? Dr. Stella Emanuel is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We have a link for her website, drstellamd.com, up at thebottomlineshow.com. An outspoken advocate for health for wellness, of course, for prayer, uh, for, for using a variety of different means to treat whatever illnesses are coming our way. But she was a pretty outspoken advocate against the jab for COVID-19 and comparing it to saying, hey, let's let's make sure that we're getting the right treatment. Now with monkeypox, it seems like we're in the same room with a slightly different color. Dr. Stella Emanuel, welcome to the Bottom Line Show today. Oh, I'm really, really excited and honored to be here today. And yes, I think that they are just throwing different things at us and seeing which one which one sticks. Yeah, that's what know. it seems like. Well, I appreciate the fact that not only are you a medical doctor, but you're also a pastor and a deliverance minister. Uh -huh. And people will find when they go to your website that you've got quite the uh, quite the Renaissance woman uh, resume there, too. Let's take a look at this yes. from a spiritual perspective, first and foremost, because obviously uh -huh. the health concerns are what they are. We know that the COVID virus uh -huh. did, in fact, exist. But in terms of uh -huh. the pandemic, it seemed like it, a lot of the, uh, the the worst case scenarios were somewhat overstated. Um, before we get into monkeypox, kind of take us through COVID from your perspective, because you were one of the ones who was proposing treatments and solutions as opposed to just saying, trust the vaccine, that's going to solve all of our problems. Yeah, when we started out with COVID in, in March of 2020, I was actually in Houston running a clinic that had about 15% chance of people from Asia and Japan and everything. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to treat COVID. So um, uh, a pharmacy friend of mine told me that uh, uh, they were using hydroxychloroquine in Europe. I, I, I went to medical school in Nigeria. I'm from Cameroon orig originally, but mm -hmm. I went to medical school in Nigeria. So I started using hydroxychloroquine on patients, and they were doing very well. 
I was excited, went online telling other doctors that hydroxychloroquine works. At that time, President Trump had just come out to say hydroxychloroquine works. And most people, they just, they, they left, they collectively lost their minds. And then they attacked me and then they attacked everybody that said it worked. And uh, that is, we just saw patients. And by May, I had, we had, when COVID really hit Texas, we were seeing so many patients and we're doing so well that I knew that there was something seriously wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And if you read my book, Let America Lead, it actually goes through the whole spiritual battle, every, the spiritual battles that we're really dealing with right now. So I knew this was not just a pandemic. This was a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling doctors, this is not medical. This is not science. This is just spiritual stuff. The devil is packaging himself like science. Mm-hmm. By May, I was done doing all the science stuff, and I was like ready to get into the, you know, I said, you cannot keep coming into a street fight with a suit. So I right. took off the suit. I said, I'm going to be a street fighter on this <laughs> issue. So that is where I was when they invited me to go speak at the, the, the steps of the Supreme Court in, in mm-hmm. July. Right. And by then, we had seen about 350 patients, and we had lost no, nobody. We had seen diabetics, and I just know how patients would come into my office just scared and terrified, and mm-hmm. we treat them, and they do well. And uh, at that time, I was just done. So when I got to D.C., I had gotten to my, I was at my extra moment. I left home. I told my family that I'm going to D.C. I'm not going to let Americans die. And if I perish, I perish. If they kill me, let them kill me. So when I got to D.C., I was at that stage where I didn't care what they did to me. So I was able to be the attack dog and say exactly what needed to be said without any fear. I didn't know that God had kind of prepared everything to send me global. I always tell people, if I knew, I would have combed mm-hmm. my hair or something. You know, I didn't know that God had prepared to send me global. But that day at the Supreme Court was actually, um, it was a watershed moment. Like the dam broke. People mm-hmm. have been in fear for months. You know, people yes. have not come out of their houses. And God in his infinite mercy just used my voice that day to shout to the nations of the world that wake up humanity, you don't have to die. And it was the Lord that orchestrated that. It was mm-hmm. the anointing that, you know, I, I, there's a show that was, um, it was the anointing that actually just broke the yoke of our people and the healing and, you know, it just went throughout the whole nations of the world and people woke up, doctors found their voices. Everybody mm-hmm. stood up and they started fighting. You know, so that was, that was then. Between then and now, we set up a telehealth services, telehealth services, and we've seen over 100 and maybe 30,000 patients. Mm. And we are still very good. I mean, we've probably lost a few because many people come to us that are very sick. Yes. But we've seen so many people and we've treated so many Americans that wherever I go, I see people that are my patients. Because if you've treated that many people, wherever you go, you're going to see your patients. You know something? We have, my team has been working tirelessly to take care of the American people. And then mm-hmm. we started also working to produce other things to help take care of the people, like the vitamins they need to build their immunity. Yes. Right now, we're working on monkeypox defense. We've done. We work. We, we put. We put COVID. Um, we put COVIDine, which is like a potassium iodine, in case they nuke us. So my whole focus right now is to keep preparing for what they can do to us. But the truth talk- part is that this is a spiritual battle. It's not a yeah. medical battle. But we and have I- to be able to take care of the people physically while they fight. Right, and I appreciate so much you saying that, Dr. Stella Emanuel, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, uh, who out at the forefront of the COVID pandemic and, and addressing the issues the way they are. I appreciate that. We've got a link for your book, Let America Live, Exposing the mm-hmm. Hidden Agenda Behind the 2020 Pandemic up at thebottomlineshow.com. But thank you for saying, hey, there were doctors like you 
who were saying there are treatments, there are ways that people can mm -hmm. prevent this type of thing, you know, kind of gird up mm -hmm. on the physical side uh, before we mm -hmm. even get into the spiritual. And as you noted, I mean, the fact that your telehealth practice has been helping hundreds of thousands of people all across the country, mm -hmm. not once mm -hmm. in the media, you know, we spent a lot of time here in Christian media watching what other media outlets are doing. You did not hear anything about prevention. You didn't hear anything about treatment. All you heard was mm -hmm. somebody got sick, somebody went to the hospital, they wound up in ICU, and then they died and COVID's the reason. So if you don't get your jab, mm -hmm. more people are going to die. And you know the economics behind this. I mean, the was it the $12,000 for a diagnosis and 39000 extra if you go on a ventilator? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. How are how was how was anybody from Fauci on down supposed to look at what was being projected and presented by the CDC and by politicians with a straight face? Because you know full well there are things that people could have been doing all along through this, and your patients were mm -hmm. doing so. You had a tremendous mm -hmm. success rate, whether it be ivermectin, mm -hmm. hydroxychloroquine, whatever. Uh, talk about the, the the politicization of organizations like the CDC, National Institute of Health, and things like that. I mean, what, what, what happened there? Has it always been this way, and we're just now noticing that? Actually, there's always been a lot of shady stuff going on in the background, mm -hmm. and we could talk about AIDS and talk about cancer treatments that we, we, we squashed and everything. But mm -hmm. I think this is a little more than just some shady deals in the background. I do believe that the globalists, um, like the Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and they use the CDCs and, and the CDCs of the different nations to actually form a shadow government that controlled what happened to people. Mm. So if the WHO gave whatever it is that were the recommendations, and these recommendations were passed through the CDC, sent through Medicare, and sent to hospitals, and like, if you don't do this, 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 well, you're not going to get paid, or if you do this, 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 and it was backed by a lot of dark money. So mm. this, is not, this was not some shady deals that Fauci was doing. Fauci is just the conduit to the, to the demons that are all doing this together. Right. You know what I'm saying? So people have to realize the death of what we're dealing with, the death of what we're dealing with. It's not about Fauci's evil. Yes, he is evil. He's probably, a, 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 probably he's not even human, I think. He's probably one of those clones or, or AI or something. <laughs> but I'm serious. But a lot of the evil that is being done, we have to find the root and go to the root of the evil. The Lord yes. started showing me this in 2012, 2011, 2012, that there were people among us that were evil and they look like you and I. It's like Independence Day on steroids. Mm -hmm. But the human mind cannot comprehend that. So when the Lord started showing me this, he took me to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, verse 43, 41, 42, talks about how in the last days, the last kingdom was going to be iron mixed with clay. And mm -hmm. as iron mixed with clay, they're going to mingle themselves with the seed of man. If you read in the book of Revelation chapter 13 verse 14, it talks about how the devil was going to, the beast was going to deceive the people of the world, that they will make images onto the devil. And the devil will have power to give breath to these images that they will speak and cause those that will not take the mark to be killed. So if you listen to Yuval Harare Noah, he's, he's the gift that keeps giving because he's telling us everything that they are doing. He's talking about they're going to produce, they're producing inorganic bodies that don't have emotions, that don't have feelings. So if you see a lot of people that are, don't have emotions, don't have feelings, and pro promoting the most evil agendas, like, you know, let our children be, have, be transgender from the age of eight and mm -hmm. promoting child sexual molestation and promoting, you know, gay agenda, rip children out of the womb at, at, at nine months and, you know, just do evil stuff or, you know, just um, 
You know, we know about the election was stolen, but we can't do anything about it. Generalists is locking up people for jobs, standing up for the government, standing up against, which is our right to protest. So all this stuff, and then now it's monkeypox, and then go and hide and put the mask, even though we know masks don't work. And you see Anthony Fauci's emails that this stuff doesn't work, and he takes hydroxychloroquine and masks don't work. And we know all that. And guess what? We can't do anything about it. It is because at the bottom line of this, the force behind this is more evil than we can even tell. And the only way that we're going to get out of this stuff that's going on right now is going to be revival. We're going to have revival or tribulation. Boy, that's a powerful ultimatum there from Dr. Stella Emanuel today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about monkeypox. Dr. Stella MD is the website where you can read more about her books and the uh, the, the teachings that she has, the products and resources that are available there as well. I want to draw your attention in particular to the book called Let America Live, Exposing the Hidden Agenda Behind the 2020 Pandemic, My Journey, written by Dr. Stella Emanuel. That is also linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Dr. Emanuel mentioned monkeypox. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, what exactly is it? How great is the risk? And uh, what's the political overtone behind that one, especially how it just happened to show up during an election year? Mm -hmm. More of my conversation with Dr. Stella Emanuel in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Stella Emanuel is my guest today here on the program. So grateful to have this time with her as we're discussing, uh, well, a variety of different issues, COVID and monkeypox and a variety of different uh, issues as well. Uh, Dr. Stella is the author of a book called Let America Live. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I want to remind you that we have one copy to give away right now, uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, Teresa's taking your calls. Joel is standing by um, at the ready uh, to take your call when you do call in. The point of our conversation today, Dr. Stella is very passionate about what she saw in terms of fighting COVID, uh, you know, battling not only the virus itself, but also the uh, forces that were trying to keep uh, people from getting the health care that they actually needed. I mean, she talked about having scientific backing for the use of hydroxychloroquine and for ivermectin and things that were vilified in the press. And yet she saw results. And if I don't know if you caught that in our earlier conversation about the fact that she has set up a telemed, telehealth clinic, if you will, at Dr. Stella, D-R-S-T-E-L-L-A-M-D.com and has treated over half a million people. Look at the rate of infection, obviously, or the reported infection of COVID-19 in the United States. Look at the death toll and then look at the number of people who were treated by people like Dr. Stella and ask yourself the question. How many more lives could have been saved if there had been more of a focus on treatment rather than prevention? I think it's a fair question to ask. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't do things like exercise and vitamin supplements and more zinc and more vitamin D, vitamin C, that type of stuff to help stay healthier. But to tell people to just go home, stay home and not move, stay out of the sun, don't get the exercise, don't get even just the basic mobility and steps that you had. And Hopefully don't catch it, but if you do, we're going to put you in the hospital where you're going to be on a ventilator where you're going to be breathing the same infected air over and over again. I mean, it might have been healthier to put people on airplanes and send them all over the country. Don't the, doesn't the air the, uh, circulate every two to three minutes there? But Dr. Stella is passionate about health and about faith, and she sees the scientific challenges, but also the spiritual uh, dilemma with either COVID or monkeypox. She writes about it in her book, Let America Live. 
800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, Dr. Stella has a lot more to say on the issues that we're talking about. And with a lot of passion, a lot of conviction, and the heart for Jesus Christ, the heart for the Lord that we're looking for in a dialogue about something this important. More of my conversation with Dr. Stella Emanuel in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Dr. Stella Emanuel is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. DrStellaMD.com is the website where you can find the variety of health products that she has available. We've got a link for her book, Let America Live, Exposing the Hidden Agenda Behind the 2020 Pandemic. Her story is up at TheBottomLineShow.com as well. And uh, hey, Stella, before the break, we were talking about uh, monkeypox. And it seems like this kind of came out of nowhere. It doesn't seem like it has the same transmissible transmissible properties as COVID, and yet people have got masks back on, they're all distancing themselves, mm-hmm. staying at home, and there seems to be this kind of fear that monkeypox is somehow going to get on you inside of you. First of all, what is it? <laughs> Secondly, how is it transmitted? Okay, monkeypox is a virus, like, and trust me, I really, you know, most, these days we'll begin to wonder all the things that they've taught us in medical school, what they really are. Mm. But monkeypox is actually transmissible by close contact with skin. That is why okay. so far it has been transmitted mostly among gay men that are having orgies and mm. not attacking the gay community, whatever my, I'm a Christian, so I don't believe homosexuality is right, but I'm not attacking the gay community. I'm just saying that this stuff was released into the gay community. And you know what? A year ago, they said monkeypox was going to happen in May. It was said last year. This was already written last year that we're going to have monkeypox in May of this year. And why did they release monkeypox? This is my own uh, uh, thought. Why did they release monkeypox in the gay community just in May when they're about to go through the one month of, you know, Pride Month where they're going to be having all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. orgies everywhere? Because mm-hmm. they knew it was going to be transmitted easily. All right. So now it's in the gay community, just like HIV. It's going to get out of the gay community. So right now it sounds like an STD, but not, it is not just a matter of having sex. It's actually rubbing yourself in close contact with somebody that has uh, oozing sores. Mm. So if you are in the gay community and you have a, a monkey pox, there are people in the gay community that are bisexual. And if you know, there are those that are down low. That means they are happily married with 2.3 kids and a dog, and at night they are in the gay community. They're mm. going to bring this stuff to their wives at home and to the children. So I don't think that we should look at it like this is just going to end up in the gay community. I just thought it was convenient for it to be released in May. They talked about it last year already, a year ago. And smallpox vaccines were ordered one year ago, too. How did they know it's going to happen? The, mm. the, the, the Biden administration started ordering smallpox vaccine over a year ago. And they talked about monkeypox was going to be released over a year ago. So now monkeypox is here. Very, I don't even know what anybody has died from monkeypox. Monkeypox is not like smallpox that just ravages and kills people. Right. Monkeypox is more like chickenpox. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I would I would look at the uh, not just the transmissibility, but also like the the uh, the um whether it can kill you or not. So mm. I, my only issue is that it might be weaponized because these people are crazy. But if the monkeypox is transmitted by skin contact. Why would people run in and start putting on their mask? It is not being transmitted. It's not right. transmitted right now by coughing or sneezing or anything. It's transmitted by skin contact. But I know that's going to be the next thing. They're going to scare everybody that is transmitted by sneezing. And people are going to like really get really terrified and they're going to line up. People are already lining up in New York to take the vaccine. Mm. So the issue here is not monkeypox or COVID or anything else. And, and watch this. They are, all, they are also preparing Mal- Mal- Malbec disease. 
Marburg is kind of like a hemorrhagic fever, like Ebola. And mm -hmm. I'm saying this right now, in another year or so, you're going to hear that Marburg is out. You know, they are preparing this stuff for many reasons. COVID, monkeypox, they are not, they are all Trojan horses for the vaccine. And the vaccine is tro a Trojan horse for gene therapy, genetic modification, and human 2.0. Mm. While in the mind of these demons, I call them, they are so certain that by 2030, that's the, the, the projection of the World Economic Forum, is that by 2030, everybody on this planet should be a genetically modified human being, to be GMO. Mm. So these vaccines are gene therapy. The CEO of Moderna, Tyzak, said it, that they are they are hacking your software and introducing a code. The CEO of, of Pfizer says it's gene therapy. Klaus Schwab, which is the head of the World Economic Forum, said that in the fourth industrial revolution, it is not what you do that is going to change. It's going to be you if you take genetic editing. Genetic editing. We know in the past 10 years, they have like CRISPR technology that they can actually edit your gene. If you listen to... Uh, um, um, What's his name? Uh, Elon Musk even said it, mm -hmm. that they're going to have downlinks where they can download your brain into the Internet of Things. Many of them said this. So this is their whole belief, that they can produce life. Cloud, uh, Yuval Harare Noah, everybody, go on Rumble. Google Yu Yuval Harare Noah or just Yuval Noah. He's the gift that keeps giving. Because he keeps telling us over and over what they are doing. He wrote a book called Homo sapiens, Homo Deus, and he really believes that they're going to just take over humanity, and then they're going to be entities that are going to be non-organic, that are going to run the world. And we human beings, all we're going to be good for is they're not going to need a lot of human beings anyway. And what we're going to be good for is for, you know, uh, drugs and video games. So they are not hiding this stuff anymore. Just go to rumble.com and Google Yuval Harare Noah. You will watch until you start crying if you're a human being. So we got to see this thing for what it is. So that if it's monkeypox, it's Marburg disease, it's, it's Ebola, or it's whatever it is that release, they are releasing. Remember that their whole goal is to kill as many people as possible, population control, and those that are not killed, they need to be genetically modified so that they can be controlled. And if mm. you look at it scripturally, the Bible says in the book of, of Matthew that in the last days, it was going to be like in the book of Genesis, in the days of Noah, where men are married and giving to marriage. What happened in the days of Noah? If there was corruption of humanity, there was yes. violence, and there was a lot of evil in the land. We are in those days. If you read in the book of Revelation chapter 6, if you open it, in Revelation 6, seals are being opened, and the Lord Jesus is releasing these things on the world. And I tell people, it's the Lord Jesus that's opening the seals. And why is he doing that? Because the, we have so given up ourselves to evil that we've been weighed on the balance, and we have been found wanting. And the, the church has not risen up to cry out for mercy and cry out for revival and cry out for God's mercy. On the contrary, the church has been hijacked and being used in many places as vaccine centers and working for the globalists. You know something? So we are just in the end times. And now in Revelation 6, I believe that the seals have been opened already. The seal number one that's open in Revelation 6 is the conqueror. This was open in 2020. The conqueror has been released. That has conquered the whole world. The whole world is under stress from these people, from these shadowy people that we don't know who they are, but they are controlling all governments, all places, and everywhere. People are hurting. People are dying. Uh, uh, Sri Lanka has fallen. You know, Australia became almost a third world country. 
Canada right now, you can't even come out of the country without vaccines and stuff. So all these things are happening and we don't know what to do. And the masses are screaming and carrying out, but we don't know what to do because the conqueror has been released to conquer the world. The mm. second seal is the sword. This was released in 2020, in the summer of 2020, with Black right. Lives Matter and Antifa tearing up the whole place. There's war, there's, there's peace has been taken away from humanity. So there's no peace in the world. People are fighting each other, killing each other, wars, family members shooting each other, they're shooting everywhere, mass shooting, whatever. Peace is taken away. The third seal is actually been opened now, and it's called famine. If nobody believes me, just pick up your phone and Google food shortage. You will mm. realize that food shortage is coming. It's going to be global. It's going to be excruciating. The Bible says that you can imagine a, a, a measure of wheat for a day's wages mm. in, in, in Revelation 6. So imagine that for a loaf of bread for $200. We can see it coming. So I tell people, stock up food, water, whatever you need. Make, grow your own vegetables. Do whatever you need to do to make sure that if there's no food in the stores, you're going to have food to eat. Yes. The fourth field that is going to be open is going to be death and hell. It's going to be death and hell will be followed soon. Death is going to, be, people are going to die from famine. They're going to die from pestilences. They're going to die from war. And they're going to die from death. If you Google sudden adult death syndrome, it's on the rise. And people are like, well, it's not from yes. vaccine. Yes, I've been reading is. about that. People are mm -hmm. dying. People, young people are having strokes and heart attacks and everything and dropping dead. So this is their whole plan. And I tell people, if you've taken the vaccine, repent. The Bible says in Titus chapter, chapter 3, verse, chapter, Titus 2, verse 5, it says that uh, salvation is by the washing of regeneration. Amen. And so the washing of, it means that your salvation in it came from God washing and regenerating you from the Adamic nature. If you've allowed these demons out of fear or whatever to... to, to um, program you, you can just go back to God and cry out and say, Father, I made a mistake. I didn't know what them to program me. I allowed them to put something in me that was not from you. And you ask the Lord to regenerate you. You know what I'm saying? You ask the Lord to change your DNA. If you go on our website, drcellamd.com, we have a prayer there if you've been vaccinated and you're now terrified and you've changed your mind. You go there and pray so that you can be redeemed. And anybody can be redeemed the same way we're redeemed from the Adamic nature. Are you going to have uh, side effects from it? Possibly, just like there are, sometimes there are going to be side effects for everything. But we even have things that we put together for people that have been vaccinated. We have cleanses and we put them on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and we put on them to help them with the symptoms that they get from being vaccinated. And I tell people, if you've been vaccinated, get on ivermectin weekly. You can go on our website, get a telehealth appointment. We're going to send it to you. Get on it weekly so that you can, number one, not be exposed to a lot of things that you can be exposed. You can build your immunity back with some of the things that we have there. Because this is the world that we live in right now. And you cannot sit down and let the devil take you over. You know what I'm saying? Huh. In New I... York recently, there was something about, oh, we're going to get nuked. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. So, you know, get iodine. You can get it from our website. You can get it from anywhere. Get potassium iodine. Tip it in your house. Because if we get nuked, if you're in the, mid immediate, in the immediate vicinity of the nuke, you're gone anyway. But if you're not, you need to possess some iodine to protect your thyroid. So these are the things mm. that we're putting together to help people. And if you go on our website, anything you get, use promo code bottom line, one word bottom line, and you're going to get, we're going to give you 5% uh, uh, off to help out. But so uh, what I'm saying here is humanity wake up. 
we are in a battle for the soul of humanity. If anybody ever watched um, uh, Independence Day, yes. this is Independence Day on steroids. It's mm. just that the, 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 uh, the aliens in Independence Day where some blobby looking things look horrible and smelly and you could see them and know. But the aliens of today, they look like you and I. Mm. So people don't realize that they are dealing with entities that are not human. So listen to what they are saying and hear what they are saying and take heed, humanity, and fight for yourself, for your children, for our planet. This planet was given to you and I by God. It wasn't given to us by the devil. And the devil can't take the planet that God gave to us if we don't give it to him. We cannot be the Amen. first generation Amen. that's just going to hand over the, our planet to the devil. We, this is not the first time that the devil has tried to take over. Every generation fights for their, for their own destiny. A lot of people are like, well, it's already written in Revelation. We're all going to die, blah, blah, blah. No. Revelation is a revelation. It's not a prophecy. Right. There's a difference. Right. If it's a prophecy, God has already said it, it will happen. Revelation is just that they brought Apostle John to see what was happening in this day to come and tell us so that when we see it, we can pray and push it away and push it to another generation like other generations did. And we need to do that. You know something? So for monkeypox, monkeypox is not even a thing. There's something that, uh, and just in case it gets weaponized, there's an old age remedy that was used by the, uh, the, uh, the Native Americans called Saracenia uh, purpura or pitcher plant, that they used it in the days of smallpox. And many tribes survived when they used that remedy. We have it on our website. You can go online and Google it. It's called pitcher plant, like a pitcher. If you get a, like a pitcher of water, Buy pitcher plant Saracenia and keep it in your house. If you get if you get monkeypox or whatever, take it. You know what I'm saying? And if they if they weaponize it and make it more transmissible and it becomes like a more serious or more virulent disease, like they did with COVID, then you at least have some kind of protection or some kind of protection that will build your immunity against all the pox viruses. Whether it's chickenpox, monkeypox, smallpox, gorilla pox, elephant pox, or whatever else that they release. You know what I'm saying? So we need to just know that there, there's always a way out. One of the things that we do right now is that we, we need to be, we are always a step or two ahead of them. Before they even mm -hmm. said monkeypox, we're already working on getting the pox defense so that people can be, be safe. When they said COVID, we're ahead of it with, with treating people with, with hydroxychloroquine. We're even already working on things that can help people build their immunity against Ebola and Marburg disease and everything else. But remember, the biggest thing you can do for yourself is give your life to Christ. Amen. If you die, Amen. you go home. That's the best thing it. anybody can do. As if the, Give your life the, to Christ. If you die, you go home. I love it. It's beautiful. And I love the, the, the preparatory uh, measures that you are taking and encouraging other people to take to fight this, not just on the physical level, but definitely on the spiritual level as well. Dr. Stella Emanuel, uh, Dr. Stella MD is the website where you can check out all of these resources she's been talking about, especially her book, Let America Live, Exposing the Hidden Agenda Behind the 2020 Pandemic. Dr. Stella, thank you for your work, the passion that you have, and for the great information you shared with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. God bless you. And God blessings, God's richest blessings to you too as well, Dr. Stella. Wow, that's a lot of information to process. That's a lot of information to digest. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, we're opening up the phone lines now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. We do have one copy of Dr. Stella's book, Let America Live, and I encourage you to give uh, Teresa a call right now. It's a fascinating work. From Dr. Stella Emanuel about her take on the 2020 pandemic and uh, what 
this means for future health emergencies, so-called, real or imagined, uh, that might be uh, of benefit for us to know about, as, especially as we look at the last days as they get closer and closer. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6% CD alternative. You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, and hold on to it and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market? You go back. You want to put it into a CD? You go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you could earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. That's some good Dr. Stella Emanuel music if I ever heard it. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line show. My thanks again to Dr. Stella Emanuel. Uh, part of America's Frontline Doctors, Dr. Stella, MD, D-R, Stella, MD.com is the website. She's been doing telehealth, especially in, in, as part of the pandemic, and has a tremendous track record, a variety of different products that are there uh, that uh, are, you can take a look at. We're giving away a copy of her book, Let America Live, her take on the 2020 pandemic. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line. We only have one copy of the book to give away, and it is Tuesday, so one winner. <laughs> That's how it goes. But I, I'm also curious, too, if you have a comment about what Dr. Stella was talking about with regard to the behind-the-scenes side of this. Our, our tendency as trusting citizens, people who you know believe in God's Word and believe in the, the sanctity of human life and also in what we want to believe about the goodness of people, oftentimes gets us into trouble when we realize that people are inherently bad and we're, we're evil, we're sinful by nature. When people do good and godly things, either they've had the transforming power of the Holy Spirit take hold of their heart, or I don't want to say it's pure dumb luck, but we're not naturally wired that way. And so the idea that there would be forces behind the scenes uh, unleashing uh, these viruses that are coming our way first with the uh, the COVID vaccine, uh, the COVID virus, and then with the treatment. And it just seemed rather odd to me. One of the things I really was drawn to about Dr. Stella Emanuel's testimony and the testimony of America's frontline doctors. I know so, some people would say, no, they're trying to make it worse. They're talking about the, you know, the masks and, and, and the mandates and how they're, you know, they're, they're just full of hot air because, you know, the, this is what the, the science is telling us. This is what the medical experts are telling us. And I just came across an article, was it earlier today? Um, with regard to that very issue of whether or not the mask mandate works. This is from the LA Daily News in their localist section. Doctors from USC and UCLA say the mask mandates for COVID-19 are not effective. I mean, it, it's interesting that they, they, they sent a letter to the LA Board of Supervisors and they said the mask mandates will not slow the spread. Now there's some doctors who say, well, yes, they will, 
But, you know, there, there's been a lot of discussion. Even the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, issuing new guidance over the weekend that said, look, if you've been vaccinated and you've got symptoms, get tested, isolate. If you're unvaccinated and you got symptoms, get tested, isolate. But if you um, don't have symptoms, you don't have to worry about it. The mask, mm, you know, I mean, I, I know people who, when they get the flu, first thing they do is put on a mask anyway. They don't want to sneeze all over everybody. That's a good way to keep the flu from spreading. But you did notice in 2020, as the number of cases of uh, COVID were being diagnosed, the number of cases of the flu went down to practically nothing. I've heard too many people tell me when I was tested for COVID, I had flu-like symptoms. I went to the doctor, my former pastor is now retired to Iowa, uh, made that comment. He made the observation. He was diagnosed about a year ago, went to a hospital in Laguna Beach for a COVID test to verify what his home test had told him. And they said, well, this could either be flu or COVID. We're going to count it as COVID. He asked them why, and they said, well, because that's what they're asking us to do. The, the idea that the flu wouldn't necessarily be dangerous and contagious, but COVID could be a lot worse. And two and a half years later, we're finding out that it probably was more endemic than pandemic. There was a lot of error erring on the side of caution that did significant damage to people in their health journey. I, I know when I had COVID in early June, I had pneumonia, went to the hospital, wanted some treatment right away because the pneumonia had gotten really bad. Usually I can fight it with some over-the-counter stuff or whatever. And I went in and had a little bit of nausea, burning in my throat. It was tough to breathe. I went in. It wasn't, you know, life and death. It was just inconvenient more than anything else. And I went in. They said, do you have COVID symptoms? And I said, yes. I didn't know if I did or not. I just, I wanted to see a doctor. And they treated me for the pneumonia, gave me treatment for the pneumonia. About two hours later, they said, have we done a COVID test yet? No. Okay, well, let's do a COVID test anyway. They did the full test. I'd gotten the quickie one before and it all come back negative. The full test, they said, you're positive for COVID. I said, what does that mean? They said, well, we've already given you medication for your pneumonia. We're going to send you home. Use that medication. It'll take on both. And I was actually relieved to hear that they were actually giving me something for the COVID. Because a lot of people early on, remember, they just said, you know, uh, uh, pray. And I've had people guess on this program who said, boy, that week in ICU was awful. And you have to wonder, I mean, I've talked to good friends that I know that that wrestled with this early on. They said, I thought I was going to die. It was really kind of sinister what it was doing to your body. But what we got from the medical experts was all about prevention, nothing about treatment. And so Dr. Stella Emanuel saying, look, I know the death toll is a million or whatever here in the US, but I helped 530,000 people get cured for COVID. Uh, Let America Live is the name of the book by Dr. Stella Emanuel, one of America's frontline doctors, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and it's really good to have you along for the ride today as we're talking about uh, COVID. We're talking about uh, the testimony of Dr. Stella Emanuel, who was just with us here on the program, one of America's frontline doctors. Uh, her book, Let America Live, uh, 800-227-5278. It's her uh, kind of summary as to how she experienced covid 19 and during the pandemic as a medical professional, as a pastor, as a woman of great Christian faith. And uh, it's, it's well worth the read because now that we find are finding more and more people who have had it maybe once or twice as uh, reading social media posts from Gary Thomas, great Christian pastor and author who was talking about the fact he doesn't run as much anymore because he had COVID twice. You know, a lot of people, you don't hear the story of somebody who had it 
got over it. Maybe they're having some lingering effects from it. And you have to ask the question, where did this come from? And why is that fog that you have at the end of it? No joke. Why is it that some people get it? And they, it's like they didn't even have it, but they tested for it. And there's a whole mechanism behind this now that seems to be gearing up for monkeypox. And, you know, it's not lost on us that COVID showed up during the 2020 presidential campaign that it was an international crisis and that it didn't matter what Donald Trump did to try to manage it. He was always deemed as the villain and the bad guy. And yet then we found out that they'd been working on not only the virus, but also a cure for it since 2014. And it just happened to be unleashed in the uh, winter of 2019, that December 19, January 2020. A lot of questions that need to be asked and answered. But for us as people of faith, the first order of business is what did it do to your Christian faith? Did it make it grow stronger? Did it make it grow weaker? Were you afraid? I talked to some people who I used to think were very, very strong Christians who were in absolute panic over whether or not they died from COVID. Other people who I didn't know as terribly strong Christians found out that these people had some pretty serious game. And I was impressed. So good for them. And then, of course, there was the big issue of whether or not you can go to church. Remember that whole bit? and uh, whether or not that uh, Christians should be gathering together. You know, it's interesting when you look at that because new reports indicate that when it comes to young adults, Generation Z, millennials, things of that nature, they actually put a high value on their faith in Christ, but not a whole lot of value on whether or not they're in church every Sunday. As a matter of fact, two-thirds of younger adults who say they are committed to Christ don't even attend church, not even once a month, not even online. <laughs> So according to the state of the Bible, USA 2020, the American Bible Society says 40% of Generation Z adults ages 20, 18 and over primarily attend online. And then those who've made a meaningful commitment but don't go to church, 66%. So my question to you is, can you be a Christian and not go to church on a regular basis? I'm not talking about that transitional time. Maybe you moved and you haven't found a new church yet. I'm talking about whether or not you think, hey, just got led to faith in Christ. Maybe you heard the message online and you've never been to church and you don't want to go. Do you think it's possible? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Our KCBC audience, we bid you farewell. Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, is coming up next. For those who remain, a few more minutes to call in for the book by Dr. Stella Emanuel. And to weigh in on the State of the Bible USA 2022 survey that finds 40% of Generation Z adults age 18 and over only attend church online, and 66% don't really even go once a month at all. What do you think about that? 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Still taking a call or two left uh, for Dr. Stella Emanuel's book, uh, Let America Live, for uh, kind of looking back at the pandemic of 2020 uh, from a, the standpoint of a medical professional who was one of the first to prescribe hydroxychloroquine, which is used for as a malaria treatment, and ivermectin, which remember that was the big thing that was, they used that for horses and you know cattle and things like that. And, but that's, well, you, you're gonna give that kind of dosage to a, a person, a human being? No. <laughs> Obviously not. Why would you do that? I mean, some of the same people who were complaining about the fact that they would use ivermectin as a treatment for uh, COVID 
we're sort of the same people who may want to, I, I can direct your attention to a book uh, written back in 2007 called How to Talk to Your Kids About Drugs. There's a whole, by Dr. Jim Burns and Steve Arterburn, there's a whole chapter in that book on an antihistamine that was used for horses that in smaller doses was used for top athletes to keep their metabolism running. So you would take a dosage of this thing before you go work out, kind of a pre-workout trainer thing. And then once you got in your full hour and a half in the gym or whatever it was, your body would still stay running because you had this horse antihistamine in your system. And it would run for about 24 hours and basically keep burning fat. Uh, I know <laughs> because I did the research and wrote the chapter on that in that book. But it's amazing how many people who would look at something like that and say, hey, look at Kim Kardashian, this new weight loss pill that she's got. And what? Well, who cares what it is? It's working for her. Let's buy a whole bunch of them. What if you told them, hey, did you know that's an antihistamine used for horses? And well, no, I mean, the horse weighs, what, 2,000 pounds? And I weigh, well, we won't get into that, uh, a lot less than two grand. So don't you think it would be irresponsible? For medical professionals to say, here's something that in this dose can treat a 5,000-pound animal. Let's give it to a 150-pound human being. Well, are you going to give them the same dose? Man, I hope not. <laughs> I really do. But I was shocked having people on both sides of the equation during COVID to see how much of the focus in the media was on, quote-unquote, prevention. People are getting it. People are dying. It's horrible. It's awful. It's terrible. And I know I mentioned before the break a couple of folks uh, good friends of mine have been guests on this program. One was hospitalized and put in ICU for a, a week and didn't think he was going to survive. The other guy who had it right before it was declared a pandemic told me not too long ago, he said, when I first got it, the first time I thought I was going to die. I take that seriously. When I had it, I never thought like I was going to die. It was a big inconvenience for a couple hours to swallow and have it burn. But other than that, it was not that bad for me. Or maybe it was bad and my body processes it differently than other people. I don't know. But the fear that we had and that the church showed during that time, there was a lot of, there were a lot of stories of great faith, but there was a lot of stories of fear as well. Now, Generation Z and millennials, according to the State of the Bible USA report from 2022, the American Bible Society puts this out, they survey several thousand people of adults ages 18 and older in all 50 states and also the District of Columbia. And this data was compiled during the month of January of this year. Generation Z, for their purposes, is defined as people who were between the ages of 10 and 25 in the year 2021. Millennials were defined as those between the ages of 26 and 41 in 2021. And doesn't that just make you feel old? that millennials are now 41 years of age. Wasn't it that long ago that they were like at middle school and they were using instant messenger and stuff like that? I mean, now, my gosh, they're good and grown, buying houses and, you know, just living good old grown-up lives. But I digress. In this new study, the question, and American Bible Society always asks these kinds of questions. How often do you read the Bible? How often do you go to church? Yakety schmackety, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting that more than half of the adults of up to age 57 said that they have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ that's still important in my life today. 54% of adults age 18 through 57 
said that they do or have. Fewer than a third of those in those three youngest generations have made a commitment and are, quote unquote, practicing Christians. And by practicing Christians, one of the things that is included in practicing Christians are people who identify as either Protestant or Catholic. They have some sort of denominational bent that they consider their faith very important to them. And again, that's self-defined and that they attend religious services at least once per month. A non-practicing Christian is someone who identifies as a Christian, but does not participate in one of those other areas. Whether they say their faith is very important to them or that they attend a church on a regular basis. 61% of non-practicing Gen Z Christians say that they've made a commitment to Christ. 57% of their millennial counterparts say the same. Only 28% of Gen Z respondents say they attend church at least once a month. 22% of millennials say the same. Where it really gets interesting is how many of these Gen Z and millennial respondents are considered to be scripture engaged. A scripture engaged person is someone who's reading God's word. Are you ready for this? About once a month. And they say they have some contact with the Bible and the church. They know a few things about Jesus. They want to know more. The question is, how will the church respond? Half of the Gen Z respondents said that they wish they read the Bible more. 55% say they are curious to know more about Jesus. Now, what's interesting is Pew Research did their study back in March of this year. And they found that the number of people who were worshiping in person has stagnated in spite of the fact that the number of people who are back to worship, if you will, should be higher because the lockdowns are gone. In July 2020, which was about three months after the national lockdowns began, remember they were locked down for a few weeks, then open, then closed again, stuff like that. It was reported by Pew that 13% of American adults said that they have attended religious services in person during the previous month. Now, that made sense that it was a relatively low number because there was still confusion about the virus. There was still concern about whether or not you could catch it. Remember, uh, I remember doing the services that we did when our church first backed opened up again, and we had a whole team of people with masks on and gloves on, hand sanitizer, disinfectant, we're taking temperatures. And after every service, you could only sit every other pew, which is no trouble for Lutherans, by the way. I mean, next time you have a lockdown, just ask a Lutheran church what they usually do on Sunday morning, because no one sits next to each other anyway. And no one sits up front. I mean, come on. But you'd have the team out there wiping down the backs and all the hymnals were gone. All the Bibles were donated. Nobody has any of that stuff anymore. And isn't it interesting how quickly churches gave up the printed bound word of God because of the mandate well, if you want to open up again, you can't have, I mean, think about that for just a moment. The church in a big hurry to be culturally engaged. Yeah. We want to be, you know, part of the solution instead of part of the problem, literally gave their Bibles away. I mean, hopefully to good folks, <laughs> to people who wanted them, to people who could use them, but just gave them away. Because, well, you know, the 
Bible's in the pew, and if the virus gets in the church and it sits in the book, then, well, you know, someone might get COVID, and, and then what? Look at the infection rate versus look at the mortality rate here in the U.S. How many people who had COVID also had a comorbidity? I'm not suggesting that COVID shouldn't be taken seriously, but a lot of people who wound up losing their lives here on Earth lost a physical battle that they were in the process of losing anyway, and COVID unfortunately sped it up. But now here we are, the pandemic's over. The worship restrictions have been lifted. People are free. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to get jabbed, get jabbed. If you don't, don't. Use caution. But what is it about this new report that should be a concern to us? 66% of millennials and Generation Z say they have a commitment to Jesus Christ and want to know more about him, want to know more about his word, but they don't go to church. They don't even go online for church, maybe once a month. Do you think it's possible for these young people to grow in their faith? Or maybe more importantly, let's ask the question that's really on our minds. Do you think these people are actually Christians? 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law has a reputation for excellence, not just among previous clients, but also among colleagues. I'm an attorney. I've had clients that have issues in the area that Stephanie works in, and she's my first referral source. First of all, the area that she works in is an area where it's not that easy to find attorneys that I feel comfortable with. I think she has a lot of empathy, which helps because sometimes we attorneys don't have as much as we should have. She's extremely detail-oriented. She's very conscientious and just does a really kind of exceptional, almost overboard job in, in preparing cases. I've never had anybody come back with any negative comments. Everybody's been very happy with, you know, her professionalism and the way that she approaches cases. Choose the personal injury attorney with personal integrity, Stephanie Cover of Cover Law, 877-214-4935. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the Bottom Line Show. We're taking your calls this hour on this new report from the American Bible Society. It's the American Bible Report 2022. It's a survey, actually, they conducted back in January. They interviewed several thousand adults ages 18 and up, um, all the way from, well, every state in the Union plus the District of Columbia, and they asked them questions about their faith. You know, do you read the Bible on a regular basis? Would you like to know more about Jesus? On a, you know, that type of thing. Now, for their purposes, a millennial was someone who was between the ages of 26 and 41 during the year 2021. And a Generation Z member uh, between the ages of 10 and 25 during that same time period. Generation X then uh, was someone who was between the ages of 42 and what are we talking about, 60? And then um, the baby boomers, 60 and up. So for all intents and purposes, that's who they were talking to. The number of people in the Generation Z and millennial generation who said, yes, I have made a commitment to my faith in Jesus Christ, but no, I don't attend church at all in person. And if I do go to church, quote unquote, it's online maybe once a month. That's 66% of millennials and Generation Z in this survey. 
And my question to you, knowing that, well, I'll get into this in just a moment, 800-227-5278, um, is it, do you believe it's possible for these young people to grow in their faith? I mean, are they really Christians? Or have they made a verbal commitment, but they're not really living out the faith? Now, here's the, the, the question I'm going to throw out here. And this is something I think that's germane to all of us. What would you say about the person who is in their senior years, who discovered during COVID this wonderful apparatus called social media, and when the churches were closed and they were running worship services and streaming them on all the different social media platforms, kind of got used to the fact that, hey, this is great. I could wake up on Sunday morning. I don't have to go to church. I can watch church on TV. A woman who had one of the strongest early influences on my early Christian faith was my grandmother, my mom's mom. My mom and dad, of course, had an impact because uh, <laughs> my senior pastor, former senior pastor at Luther Church of the Cross used to say when he was a kid, he had a drug problem. And he said, my parents drug me to church. They drug me to Luther League. They drug me to Sunday school. But you know, that's but a lot of kids have that same, quote unquote, drug problem. I'm making air quotes for our friends at myhopenow.com uh, and get drugged to church and you kind of have it ingrained in your system. And then you have to take off your parents' family armor. And when you get older, you realize you put on your own armor of faith. But over the course of time, this, quote unquote, idea of regular attendance has been lost on millennials, on Generation Z. And these are kids who, in many cases, grew up going to church doing the youth group thing, doing the mission trip thing, you know, fellowship of Christian athletes, all the, the right games to play. Once they got into college, young adult years, they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't go. Why? I'm busy. I'm tired. I watch the sermon online. I listen to a podcast on Tuesday afternoon. And we'll look at that and say, gosh, I'm concerned. I'm really concerned because it seems like, you know, my young adult children don't have any faith in Christ because they're never in church. But then we look at the elderly in our congregations and ask the question, well, wait a minute. They're not in church on a regular basis because of maybe physical challenges or things like that. Are they any less saved? So I'm curious to get your take. 800-227-5278. Uh, JT in South Bay. JT, welcome to the Bottom Line Show today. Hi, Roger. Hi. Um, I think I have uh, the answer as to why we're in the mess we're in, and I think it's a mindset that the boomers and our elders bought into over the last generation that led to the mess we're into today. I think that uh, our society was never perfect, but we did make progress in civil rights and labor, and we, you know, residuals for actors and actresses, a lot of social change, Social Security, Medicare. But we got very complacent, and the hippies in the counterculture 50 years ago, and Greg Laurie's talked about this, while you had the, the Jesus Revolution, there was also, as Dr. Benjamin Spock pointed out, there was a an unfortunate idea that you can have liberty with license. So we started promoting this idea, it's all about you, the, you know, the selfishness. And that was a turn away from when Kennedy said, ask now what your country could do for you. And so people right. began to become selfish. And, I, and we have this woke culture and we have the cancel culture, which would not have existed back in the days of, you know, Jonathan Winters, Red Fox, or all those comedians and Ed Sullivan, or the <laughs> Rowan and Martin's Laughing, right. which would have not never made it today. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm finishing my point up here. So we who grew up with an opposite attitude ended up trashing everything, and we trashed all the shows like the Donna Reed show, which were good shows, and so they're not real, real, realistic. So 
we help bring about this hardened attitude in our culture that has seeped down to the to the millennials where there's no boundaries, no standards, no ground rules or no structure, and putting labels and everything. Well, this is idiocy, man. This is total idiocy. So we we left this so we have it. And then we took courses out of school like civics and cursive writing and the breakdown of family. Well, what do we expect now? I mean, you look at ministers who talk about this, like Dr. David Jeremiah and others. This is this is what we that we're reaping the, the the whirlwind. And you're a minister; you mm-hmm. see this. This yep. is so. This is why we 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 we've gone this road, and it's just it's just it's ridiculous, and it's yeah. leading to the you know in the end times, the rapture, the tribulation, and this is where it's all going. I don't see it turning around if enough adults don't have the cojones or the you know the backbone to stand up like previous generations and say, hey, this is enough. This is nonsense. Am I mm-hmm. making sense? Absolutely. It's perfectly clear. And JT, I, I thank you for bringing up that point, because this is not something that happened overnight. This is something that we have been building towards for quite some time. And interestingly enough, I mean, toward JT's point, uh, and I'm glad he brought up those comedians, because my goodness, I mean, we think of what passes for comedy right now in the culture and how profane and, and, and not even even somewhat insightful. I mean, give or take a couple of comedians who I won't endorse here, but uh, I think you uh, are probably well aware of who I'm talking about. When the church started trying to influence the culture, you know, and I'm talking back to Martin Luther times and beyond that. I mean, the church being the church, the church of Jesus day was countercultural, but it had an impact on the culture. And isn't it interesting how now some of the most uh, wealthy, uh, impactful people in our culture right now are people who we would refer to as the social media influencers. You know, they, they don't really have any marketable skills other than being trustworthy personalities, at least to a social media crowd, and they can endorse whatever products they want to or put up crazy TikTok videos and they make millions of dollars because they have influence. And that impact has a ripple effect. There's no question about it. But when the church was influencing the culture, the church wasn't trying to mimic the culture. The church was basically saying, this is the church. This is the good news. And you have to be able to speak the language of the culture you're in. No question about it. If you've ever done mission work, you know that uh, one of the things you have to do is to be able to speak the language, to know the customs. And if you don't, then you won't. But is it possible that maybe this new report from the American Bible Society is indicating to us that, well, we've gone so far to where now, instead of the church having an influence on the culture, the culture is influenced to the church where the church is no longer effective, no longer as impactful as it once was as evidenced by the fact that regular church attendance is now, and I say that in air quotes again for the My Hope Now crowd, regular church attendance is classified as attending church once per month. I mean, as recently as three years ago, maybe four or five years ago, it was 19 times a year, which if you figure that by a 52-week year, uh, that's, that is what it is. Now it's 12 times a year is regular attendance. Last time I checked, if church met every Sunday, regular attendance was 52 times a year, plus special holidays. Now, wow, you were at church for one time this month. Good for you, gold star. Now, I'm not saying that going to church is the only way you're going to see your faith grow, but let us not give up meeting together, Hebrews 10. JT, thanks for your call. Really appreciate it. 800-227-5278. We'll take a quick break and come back with more of your calls on this interesting study of why two-thirds of millennials and Generation Z can say, I am a professing Christian, but I have not any desire to go to church. I have no interest in church. I'm not even a member of a church. Do you think they can be Christians and make that claim? 
More of your calls in just a moment as the bottom line continues. By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits, and inflation benefits all at the same time. You know, I had a client come in this morning, and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. I said, you've got an account right now that's one-dimensional. It's paying you 6% for the next three years, and that's the one dimension it has. I said, 4D money has four dimensions. It'll pay you 4 to 6% a year, but it has three additional dimensions. Number one, it'll provide you with long-term care benefits. Number two, it'll provide you with permanent income benefits. And number three, it'll provide you with inflation benefits, all under the heading of 4D money. So when I explain these things to people, they say, well, you know, that sounds too good to be true. I said, I know, but we have got millions and millions of dollars of clients' money in these accounts, and it's in black and white. It's true. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Congratulations to Mary from Portola, who won a copy of Dr. Stella Emanuel's book, Let America Live, her take on the 2020 COVID pandemic and her desire, not only as a medical professional, to help find healing and cures, treatments for people who were afflicted by COVID-19, but also looking at the spiritual warfare issue as well and asking questions about, you know, what's behind this, who's behind it, and why is it that uh, um, we have, you know, the issue that we're dealing with right now uh, with regard to COVID and regard to, uh, you know, monkeypox and what are the big challenges as well. Um, 800-227-5278, if you have a comment on either anything Dr. Stella Emanuel said or this new uh, comment uh, regarding the survey, rather, uh, conducted by the American Bible Society. Um, State of the Bible USA 2022, the report from the American Bible Society finds that 40% of Generation Z adults ages 18 and over attend church primarily online. Now, let that sink in. If you're a pastor, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, uh, if you have that opportunity to spend a Sunday with your grandkids and you want to go to church and they say, what are you talking about? I pull out their phone. This is my church. Um, It's interesting because the number of people in Generation Z and what we would call the millennial generation do not attend church on person or online. 66% said that they don't. They just don't. I have a relationship with God, God and me. I pray when I feel like it. I read the Bible when I feel like it. I hang out with my Christian friends. I'm good is kind of the mentality. And, you know, in all honesty, I think that that might have been. No, I'm not sure that it ever has been a healthy way to uh, approach your faith in Christ. Now, I say that as someone who grew up in the church. uh, First church I ever remember going to, Oneonta Congregational in South Pasadena, California. Woot, woot. Um, I, my dad was the minister of music there. He's a choir director. My mom directed the children's choirs. We went to church, my brother and my sister and me, we went to church every Sunday. Sometimes we had to go midweek because they had choir rehearsals or youth group or whatever. And we were part of that church for 10 years, made the drive from Whittier to, uh, South Pasadena. And then eventually uh, we moved to Orange County and the drive just got to be too much. So we found a church in Santa Ana and we went, and then we had a year where we did not have a church home per se. We started worshiping at Garden Grove Community Church before it became the Crystal Cathedral. And it was the strangest feeling. 
we'd go to the eight o'clock service. We liked the preaching of Dr. Harold Liesma. We were done with church at nine. We were home at 930. And it was so bizarre to be home and go, what are we doing now? What, you know, what is there? That went on for about a year. Didn't realize that dad had something up his sleeve. He had heard that they were going to start a new campus of Garden Grove Church down in the Laguna Hills area. And he was getting to know Dr. Liesma, be part of the worship service, uh, see if they liked each other and it was going to be a good fit. My dad was the first employee then hired by Lake Hills Community Church. And then we spent the next 20 years making that commute to South Orange County. And it was wonderful. And uh, did youth ministry there. My kids were born there. Moved over to Lutheran Church of the Cross. It's just been a, a great experience. And it's kind of surreal right now, kind of being in between church homes, too. And I asked this question, you know, what do you look for in a church? What are you finding in churches? And I have to wonder how many of our churches that are looking at this study and saying, this is crazy. We've got to work harder to get Generation Z to go to church might have missed the whole boat. Outside of the United States, we have to ask the question, how many churches are there? We think it's terrible that you go to places like Europe and whatever, and the cathedrals are all turned into, uh, what was the Steve Taylor song? This disco used to be a cute cathedral. Uh, you know, it, it happened. It's a, uh, it, it's a big issue that the church community does not have the same impact on people that draws them into it. But that might be a cultural shift that we need to be prepared for. There are thriving house churches. There are small groups that meet that don't require big buildings and big setups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. It's not the buildings that we meet in. So whether or not young people are going to worship services per se and going to college group or going to Bible study because we set up worship times and bought a building and paid for all this stuff, maybe the way we do church is to focus more on the biblical and less on the structural. That's the bottom line.